I Speak the System by Jimmy Cliche. This is chapter 29, Toy Tree. My new therapist at school was young and pretty, and I had a crush on her, but we had an awkward relationship from the start. Probably because I had a crush on her, and she could tell, and she wasn't gay or as open-minded as the other staff. We did research papers in English class comparing two artists. Chris knew I had an interest in Hitchcock and told me about a Hitchcock film called Spellbound, starring Ingrid Bergman and Gregory Peck as psychiatrists working in an asylum. Most of the movie was a typical Hitchcock suspense film, which I love to begin with, but there were also a couple scenes of dream sequences directed by Salvador Dali. It's been my favorite Hitchcock film ever since. I did well on that report and started on a second project. I thought I'd compare Drew Barrymore and her struggles as a young actor to myself. The research on myself was to read my old journals and go over them with my therapist in therapy. My teachers and therapists advised me that my project was too ambitious and there wasn't enough outside information on myself. They also said it may not be so healthy to explore it all during my senior year of high school, but I did anyway, and it was more triggering for me than I realized. I started to regress a bit, and I wanted to be taken care of. I'd drive my car to the toy store and buy myself stuffed animals, dolls, toy cars, etc. Anything I felt that could bring me back to childhood. All my money was being immediately spent on toys, music, or food. I was scared to move forward. My therapist thought this was unhealthy, along with my continuation to identify as Catholic. She said that believing in God was part of the problem. It hurt me that she said those things and never seemed to believe in me. I was stubborn, though, and falling apart without realizing it. Part of me realized it, but I didn't know what to do to stop it. A bunch of students were hanging out in the rec space one day, and Chris came over to us asking what we were up to. Just chillin', Maya replied. Chillin' on the G-spot, I chimed in. I had an album I bought at Nuggets with that exact title, Chillin' on the G-spot. I didn't know what it meant. Chris yelled at me. That's not okay. You can't say that. That's extremely inappropriate. I knew I did something bad when she said that's not okay. That was the way they said it to us all the time. Considering some of the horrible things teachers in public school said to me that were supposed to mean that's not okay, but were often accompanied by hurtful insults, looking back, I respect CCS for choosing to put it that way, but we still knew we were in trouble and that never felt good. Why, I asked, not understanding what I did wrong. Ava was laughing and I didn't get the joke. Chris had to pull me into the small library to explain what a G-spot was, and I think some part of her thought I was pulling, putting an act on by claiming I didn't know, but I honestly didn't, and I was humiliated. Agnes came home from UMass a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving and brought me an awesome piece of art she created of a 3D tree made of all kinds of toys from the 80s, hanging off wooden dowels with ribbon around them. It looked like something out of a Dr. Seuss book. It meant a lot to me, and I loved it, but I made a mistake and brought it to school. I showed it to Chris and told her that my friend Agnes made it for me. 
You and Agnes made this? Chris replied. No, I said. Agnes made it and brought it to me. That's great you made it together, Chris said again, as if she knew for sure that we did and wasn't listening to anything I said. I'm triggered when people ignore what I'm saying like that. I didn't know how to react, and back then I'd just give in and let them be right rather than fight it. She wanted me to have done it, so I just said yeah, and she showed it off to everyone at school, saying that I made it with my friend Agnes. I felt shitty because, one, I didn't have any part in making it, and two, nothing I'd ever done artistically had ever excited Chris as much as this tree I supposedly made with Agnes. My own art didn't impress her. It ate at me, and I ate to deal with it and everything else. I stopped walking all over Coolidge Corner during lunch and instead would go to the fast food place on the corner to get meal combos every day, getting bigger and bigger by the day, not even able to look at myself in the mirror anymore. I stayed up all night in November, wondering if I should become a nun. After strongly considering it, I decided what I truly needed was to tell my parents I was gay. They were watching a documentary about the Kennedys the day before Thanksgiving, and I asked them to pause it so I could talk to them about something. They immediately looked petrified, and my dad said, I never like it when you say you need to talk to us about something. That was a big part of why I never wanted to talk to them, and I didn't know where to start. I said, you probably already know, because I've been going to pride parades and glisten conferences and stuff. I figured you already guessed. They looked confused. Guessed what? One of them asked. I said in a mumble, that I'm gay? Nope, I never would have guessed such a thing. Sorry, my mom snapped and nervously lit a cigarette. My dad lit one too. They asked a few ignorant questions and ig- ig- they asked a few ignorant questions and urged me to rethink my decision and to keep it to myself because people like that have sad lives. They said they didn't support it and that I ruined their Thanksgiving. They asked me, why do you always do this? You make us look like bad parents. I talked to Marlene about my coming out experience after it happened and she was sad for me that it didn't go better but she said it'd most likely get better in time. I didn't believe her because things at home were a nightmare. My parents were angry with me, so everything I did was annoying and wrong and meant to ruin them, the way they interpret it. I just wanted them to love me for me. After Thanksgiving, I went on a trip up north with the guidance counselor and a few kids from school to see some colleges, including Hampshire College and Goddard, I was especially interested in Goddard. I either wanted to go there or Emerson, but it was tricky applying for college from CCS since I since we didn't get grades. It was all all up to us doing well on the SATs, which I was fairly confident I wouldn't, but I thought I might be able to impress them with my essay. The school trip up north was kind of fun, but I was in a dark place. I bought a cassette tape of my neighbor sing I brought a cassette tape of my neighbor singing the song Black Velvet by Alana Miles and told everyone on the trip it was me singing. They seemed impressed and this time I was purposely self-inflicting the pain Chris caused me with that sculpture Agnes made. For Chris to say it was the best art I ever made stung and when I told people I was the one singing Black Velvet I did it all over to myself. 
I just didn't feel very impressive anymore. My first couple of years at CCS had been great, but by senior year, by senior year, it seemed like everyone was big into partying, and I had no role in that anymore. It wasn't cool that I'd already done my drinking and drugs. I was a loser who couldn't handle it, and now I couldn't have fun. The kids all drank and did drugs at a party the night we went the night we spent at Goddard, but I spent the night talking with a woman who was interested in my story. We did stop by the party, but I don't remember much except a big crowded room and then going outside where it was snowing. I watched the snow come down while people played in it, and I was feeling isolated again. I was thinking about how the school year was already a few months in and would be over before I knew it. I could feel in my gut that I wasn't ready to leave CCS, or to grow up in general. Still depressed, I was cutting myself, eating double or triple fast food burgers on car rides around town before coming home for dinner, no longer walking anywhere. I was obese by Christmas, and I couldn't look myself in the eye. The worst part was that my boobs were enormous, like elephant trunks or something. I felt like I was just a pair of walking boobs. I walked down on... I weighed... Uh, it weighed down on my back, causing pain, and then my period stopped. I was only getting a few drops every few months. My psychiatrist wanted me to get a pregnancy test. I joked that I'd be the next Mother Mary if I was pregnant because I wasn't having sex. Then I joked that if that were going to happen to someone, it would probably happen to me. My Jewish psychiatrist didn't appreciate my Christ humor as much as me, and said that since I was under 18 and my period stopped, I had to take the test. My car was in the shop, and I asked Pesh if he could drive me to the hospital for it. He started getting all worked up, saying, I thought you weren't into men anymore. I told him I hadn't had sex. He agreed that if there were a modern-day Mother Mary, I seemed like a likely candidate. The doctor thought my weight gain was responsible for my periods changing, Big surprise. When fat people have complaints, most doctors say it's because we're fat. This was new to me then, though, and I still feel like I'm not being heard whenever my healthcare workers say it. I wasn't pregnant, however. When winter came at CCS, the staff bought all the students a little holiday gift, and my therapist was the one who was supposed to buy mine. I was looking forward to something special, but she called me on the phone the night before the school holiday party, which wasn't typical, and she told me something came up and that my homeroom teacher was going to buy my gift instead. My homeroom teacher was no longer Jules, but a new guy who taught history in gym class. I thought he was okay, but I was let down that my therapist wasn't getting it for me, and the way she acted about it was suspicious and weird. The next day in school, when we got our gifts, I was given a pig calendar. They gave me, a kid who just gained over a 100 pounds in the last year and who wanted to die about it, a fucking pig calendar. I was so close to breaking down in tears, but a girl named Lynn in my class could see how upset I was. She said she loved pigs and she didn't like the clay she was given because she wasn't into art. So we traded and that helped me move past it. But looking back, I've come to wonder if my therapist actually bought me that pig calendar. I had issues related to my body later that year in gym class with the homeroom teacher, too. 
but something about the whole thing was suspicious, and whoever thought a fucking pig calendar was an appropriate gift for me was a piece of shit. My parents went away for a week, and my nana came to stay with us. We got a big snowstorm, and a couple days later, I made plans with Tabitha and Maya to go over to Revere Beach since my nana grew up there and had been talking about it. Maya drove us to the beach, and there was still snow on the ground, but we took off our shoes in the snow and frozen sand and walked into the ocean up to our hips. We were sparked into mania by the shock of freezing cold water. We returned to my house with Nana upstairs and my broken drum kit, my acoustic guitar, and Liz's electronic keyboard in the basement, where we improvised a bunch of songs together, recording over an old mixtape on, on a poor quality cassette. We called ourselves the Skinny Dippers, and that tape was a classic for the years it lasted. Maya was the only one with any musical training, but she played the flute or clarinet, not the instruments I had, and Tabitha was a dancer. I had no musical skills at all, but the three of us had been in improv class together where we sometimes improvised songs, and so what came out was of so what we came out with wasn't half bad. Actually, half of it was pretty bad, but half of it was kind of decent punk rock experimental hip-hop or something. 